Central Ohio is a hub of businesses, nonprofit, and social enterprise organizations, large and small, all connected by the experiences we share and the stories we tell. Your BBB is excited to showcase businesses who are working every day to build trust and support our communities. BBB SparkCast is where we will learn from these local entrepreneurs firsthand. Hello listeners and thanks for joining us for this episode of BBB SparkCast. My name is Jordan, the Content and Communications Coordinator with Your BBB. Today we are speaking with Shannon Lee, the Executive Director at Relay, a nonprofit organization working to create a better world through servant leadership development. How are you doing today, Shannon? Great. Thank you for having me here today, Jordan. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for coming in. Before we begin, can you give more background on Relay and what you do? Sure. Um, we use that a little bit. We're a nonprofit leadership development organization. and. What we do basically is we create and we curate leadership development programs for you know, anyone from individuals to teams and even we go into organizations and help them as well. And you know, there's a lot of leadership development available out there. It's kind of a crowded space. So our little specialty within that is everything that we do is rooted in the concepts and attributes of servant leadership. So whether someone is coming to us and taking a first-time management class where they learn how to be a first-time manager, the underpinning of that's gonna be servant leadership all the way to our kind of our marquee training program, which is Care to Lead, which is our servant leadership training. So no matter what we're doing, everything kind of points back to servant leadership, which is how we differentiate a little bit in that professional development, leadership development space. And what is servant leadership? I want to talk a little bit about that. Can you define that for me? Sure. Um, there are a lot of definitions out there about servant leadership, and I think even if you talk to people, they would define it differently. As a result, there's some myths out there. Some people think servant leadership has to do with you know, um, service to detriment of self, all the way to martyrdom. Um, all the way to, they think of maybe just service industry. And some people think, well, servant leadership, that's just for people who work at churches or, or a faith-based nonprofit or something. So we knew that there was some difficulty with the term servant leadership, not for all, but for some, and we wanted to create some clarity. So we started with looking at Robert Greenleaf, who's considered the father, the modern father of servant leadership. And he started some research in the area of servant leadership way back in the 70s. So it's a it's a little bit part of his definition with some words that we added that we felt created a little bit more clarity around it. And how we define it is this, servant leadership is a style in which the leader balances the interest of others and self while relentlessly pursuing a win for all stakeholders. These leaders seek to enrich lives, build better organizations and care for one another. So that's how we define servant leadership. A tall order, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you're actually giving your care to lead uh, training here at BBB yeah. uh, for some of our accredited businesses and charities in a couple weeks. And we're really looking forward to it. Um, so that training is focusing on servant leadership. And why did Relay think that developing a training like that was a necessity? Wow, well, first of all, it kind of goes back to our first attempt at a leadership development program, which is our 10-month program called NextGen. It's a program that focuses on emotional intelligence and servant leadership, and it's a program for young professionals. And around year two of this program, our participants are saying, hey, we love getting all of this servant leadership information, but it still feels kind of esoteric, kind of out there. 
how do we actually operationalize servant leadership? What do we do? You know, how do you take these values that are associated with servant leadership? And what does that look like if I have to fire someone, right? What does it look like to be a servant leader when I have to make tough budgetary decisions? Because a lot of them felt that the two couldn't coexist, which isn't true. That's when it hit us. We need a model. We need a way to make this idea of servant leadership actionable. And so we went to work as a team, as a staff, and, and, and got some involvement from our board, and we created a model for servant leadership that's an inside-out approach to both changing self, um, who I am as a person, so that I show up as a servant leader in my leadership style. And that's how, essentially, how CareLead was born, and really the why. We realized, you know, there's really not a lot out there that's helping people take the what of servant leadership into the how. That's really interesting. Yeah, the fact that you can um, make the hard decisions but still be caring and a strong leader too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing these trainings, are there some common challenges that you see that business owners and leadership teams face? You know, one of the most common challenge I see with um, leaders and teams is making this transition from our stated values to our lived values. We hear a lot in our young professional program that they kind of fall in love with the stated values of the organization. You know, you, this is what we see on the marquee. This is what's on your website. This is what's on the, you know, the flags and the billboards as we walk into your businesses. Um, it's on your pamphlet. It might even be on your business card. And I, as an employee, and it's not just young professionals, but a lot of us, we look at that and say, I want to be a part of that, right? Then we start working there and we're like, wait, all that glitters is not gold, right? <laughs> now, no, nothing's perfect. We, we know no work environment's perfect, no culture's perfect, because people aren't perfect. But there is a huge gap in many companies between what, they, uh, what they're really trying to become, what they want to be and what they say they are, and what they actually are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so this is really rooted in a problem between aligning our values with what we say we want to be and becoming that thing. How many of us have, have walked away from conversations and even said, why did I do that again? We don't really ever get at the root at why we behave the way we behave. And so sometimes leaderships, leadership and then ultimately the culture of a company, they never get at the root as to why they're not living out those values, right? They talk about them, but how are they living them out? And so there's a disconnect. So the question then becomes, how can we then help organizations live out their values? This is why we decided to focus so heavily on servant leadership, because servant leadership requires of the leader an inside-out change, as I mentioned before. And so once you really learn to lead with this mindset, now you don't have to try to live up to your values. It's just a part of who you are. It then becomes how you select associates. It becomes how you deal with people, and it more naturally becomes a part of your culture. And in your trainings, do you ever find that um, there's surprising moments, like big aha moments that happens and attendees walk away with something that they've learned about themselves that maybe they didn't realize before? This happens all the time, actually. I live for these moments. I think it's why I love to facilitate so much and why I love building the curriculum that we have. I love to see those little shifts that make big differences. And a recent example, is we, were, we had a, a care to lead class and there was a gentleman in there from one of the larger companies here in town. 
And in these classes, especially this one was a small group, a really small group. And when they're the smaller they are, the more we can really kind of flesh out how do we take this model, care to lead, and apply it to a real situation. And so that's what we were doing at this point. He'd had a situation, he, he's a leader in the company, um, but also has a boss, and he had a situation, doesn't matter what the situation was, but had this situation where he had already decided, well, I can't go to her with this because this is gonna happen. He'd already decided what was gonna happen in the future, right? We, we all get into fortune telling. I can't talk to her about that because then she's gonna be mad, or I can't talk to my boss about this because then they're gonna cut my budget, whatever the this and that is. And so the concept we were working on at this time was the understanding that whenever we get into a thought process where we only see our option as being one or the other, we call it extreme thinking. And when we're extreme thinking, we're in victim mode. We're basically saying, there's nothing I can do, right? And the extreme is we give an example in extreme that basically says I have no choice because if I pick this extreme over here, well, that's obviously a stupid thing to do. So what we focus on in this part of the program is we focus on the responsibility of the leader to identify what their part was in creating the situation and then what choices they have moving forward. And the choices are always more than just two. And as soon as we started fleshing this out for him, he realized, he said out loud, he goes, oh my gosh, I've been viewing the situation all wrong. And I know exactly how, I know exactly what choices I need to look at and I'm going to really think about which one I want to make. Because the idea is to make an intentional choice rather than just defaulting to, I don't have a choice. So that's just a recent example of one. I could give 15 more. I mean, it's just, it's one of the more enjoyable parts of what we get to do is watching people take the tools that we give them and it actually creates some kind of deep change that impacts how they do their work. And it brings more meaning to their work because they've been able to resolve something that's been baffling to them for a long time. I can see how this could be definitely applicable to just like everyday life too, like outside of work. We've been, only been talking for a few minutes and I feel little light bulbs going off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that because I really believe that great leadership training should make you a better person. Um, it, it's great to get training around, you know, here's five ways to run a staff meeting, effective ways to run a staff meeting, get those skills. You need that, mm -hmm. right? If you're gonna run a meeting, you, you might need some skill set around that. But as you get further and further in leadership and have more and more responsibility, the problems become more nuanced. There's a lot more ambiguity. It's not as simple as how do I run a meeting, right? It's addressing deeper issues that are happening within a meeting that are difficult to handle. and. The only way you change that is you figure out what's going on underneath the surface of the le in the leader's mind and in the leader's heart. And oftentimes when you can get at that core surface issue, that person is fundamentally changed. And that affects relationships at home, in the community. It affects what kind of parents we are, what kind of friends we are. And um, so, yeah, it, it's, the intention around Care to Lead is to create a holistic approach that this does affect every area of your life. Very cool. Um, are there ever any widespread negative leadership behaviors that you see, like things that happen a lot, and um, how do you suggest leaders overcome some of those? That is a really good question, and I'm going to answer it a little bit different if it's okay. Sure, yeah. So I, I'm thinking about that word behaviors. So there are hundreds of negative leadership behaviors, 
And you and I, anyone listening, could probably go, oh yeah, and enlist one as long as our arm, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, every boss we've had, we could be really critical of. So instead, what I think about are the motivations and the mindsets that create these behaviors. And what I think is the widespread problem in all, almost all negative leadership behaviors is fear. That fear is the primary motivator for a lot of negative leadership behaviors. Um, leaders who are primarily motivated by fear are typically those who find difficulty being collaborative, uh, being transparent. Um, they might even bend on their values or their ethics because they think that the, the means justify the ends, or the ends justify the means, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of these things, though, at the root are because they're afraid of something. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of being seen a certain way or not seen a certain way. You know, well, if I'm not authoritative, then people are going to take advantage of me, right? That's a fear statement. If I don't act this way, then people aren't going to behave around me. I'm afraid is what I'm saying. I'm afraid people aren't going to respect me, so therefore I must act this way. I must be authoritative or whatever it is. But it's all fear-based. I think if we can find a way to little by little chip away at getting leaders to be less motivated by fear and dare I say, more motivated by love, I think we'll solve a lot of negative leadership behaviors. Now, the second part of your question was, how do you suggest or advise they overcome that or avoid it? That's a much deeper question. That, that's a whole separate podcast, but <laughs> I'll just say this. First of all, becoming aware, and second of all, becoming willing. Those are always the first two steps. I'm aware I have a problem, and am I willing to change? Because if I'm not aware I have a problem, then obviously I can't make a change. Mm -hmm. But once I become aware, then I ask, am I willing or unwilling to make a change? And willingness is the key. Willingness doesn't mean I know how to do it yet. It doesn't mean I even have the motivation to do it yet. It just means I'm willing. And so the willingness is a subtle shift after awareness. That is the key, awareness and willingness. Well, I'm glad you rephrased and kind of <laughs> twisted that around. That's some, some good insight for sure. Um, so do you recommend leadership training um, to people who are outside of entrepreneurship? Like is it something that's only beneficial to a person who wants to start a business or is owning a business or can anyone benefit from it? Oh yeah, and I think for the reasons stated before, which is you know, leadership training, and it's not just our leadership training. Leadership training, and there's a lot of good stuff out there, um, if it's holistic in its approach, it will help you in lots of different areas, right? This is leadership training, companies should invest in this for their associates and for their leaders to help them on the job. But I would hope that as, as a business owner for myself and for my associates, that they also become more whole individuals because more whole individuals are, they're more well-rounded, they're happier people, happier people are more productive and more productivity is good for my bottom line. There's hard, cold cash associated with employees being happy. I mean, there's been studies done on this. Um, Firmsofendearment.com has done lots of studies around what it looks like to embrace this mindset, this servant leadership mindset. They, they call it something slightly different. But this idea of happiness, um, uh, attending to the whole person, that when organizations focus on that, 
the people are improved as people, not just as workers, and therefore it impacts the bottom line. And so whether you're an entrepreneur or a longtime business owner, this applies. Um, and I don't even know if there's an emphasis on any of those groups. If I would put an emphasis anywhere, it might be on maybe like a transitional period. For example, if I'm a business owner, if I have someone who's brand new to management, that might be a more critical training time period or someone who's new to executive management or someone who this is their first time in a real career. They just got out of college. They're now in their first corporate job or their first business, you know, working for another company. Um, that's a critical point. I would focus training in those areas if I, if I were to emphasize um, a greater need would be at transition times. But other than that, and I know I'm biased because I run a leadership development organization, but I, I believe it benefits everybody. But if, if, if I had to really be pigeonholed and say, who does it benefit the most? I would say those who are at those key transition times, which would include entrepreneurs and early business owners too. Yeah, that makes sense. Before we wrap up, um, for our listeners, is there any small step that they can take today to start improving their leadership skills? So, yes, but this may not on the surface sound very leadershipy. That's not a word I know. <laughs> That's um, okay. <laughs> but this helped me create the awareness that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to sit here and say, I think that awareness is the key of getting started to changing some of our negative behaviors, um, then I think an action you can take, like if you're sitting here going, okay, but how do I get aware, right? I I'm not aware. I I I what's my first step? I'm gonna give some specifics to this, but it, start a journal. Now, I don't mean just writing at night, dear journal, you know, dear diary, but there's some intention behind this. Here's what I did. I started a journal and I created four columns. And in the first column, this is at the end of the day when I got home, whatever thing or things stood out to me the most that ticked me off, that made me upset, made me angry, made me sad, um, made me jealous, created any kind of heightened emotional response in me at work, I wrote it down in that first column. So that was the, you know, the incident, if you will. Very brief, just a sentence, you know, you know, Jordan didn't say hi to me this morning. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. So that's a silly <laughs> example, but, um, you know, something happened, it, it caused me to be upset. Mm -hmm. I write that down. No, no qualifiers, no explanations. This is what happened. It made me angry. The second column is what am I telling myself about that situation? Brene Brown calls this, what's the story that I'm running in my head around this? So what does that mean to me when Jordan didn't say hi to me in the morning? Like, why is that important, you know? In other words, why does that make me feel this way? Um, the third thing is to then begin to challenge that column two. So for example, if the incident is I'm mad at Steve because he spoke over me in our staff meeting today, and in column two, it's what I'm telling myself is that Steve doesn't respect me and thinks that my ideas are stupid, then my challenge is, is it really true? Can I really prove that Steve doesn't respect me? Do I really know, like can prove it in a court of law that he actually thinks my ideas are stupid? What else could be true? Have I asked Steve about these things? Have I just jumped to a conclusion? So I'm challenging the story. And then the final column is I write a new story. And, and here's why. A lot of the behaviors that come out of the bad stories we tell ourselves are those fear-based stories. 
And that's why we act the way we do. That's why the next time we walk into a meeting and we create some silly policy about how no one's allowed to talk until I'm done talking or something like that, you know, um, we start to rule or dictate as a leader. And I'm using silly extreme examples, but I'm trying to show how our inner life creates our, our, the exterior of our leadership behaviors. And so since I can't know if Steve thinks I'm stupid and doesn't like my ideas and doesn't respect me, and I don't know if he does respect me, I'm just gonna choose the better story. So I write that better story and I say, okay, Steve interrupts, interrupts a lot of people. You know, might be an observation that I've had. Perhaps it isn't something he's even aware of. Maybe I shouldn't take this so personally. I'll decide if I'm gonna to talk to Steve about this or not, but there's no way I can know if he thinks I'm stupid and doesn't respect me. You know, I'm rewriting, I'm reframing the way I look at this. That's gonna change the way I treat Steve. It's gonna change the way I show up as a leader. It's gonna change the way I show up to anybody in my life. Now, what does this do? By doing this night after night, you will start to notice a pattern in those incidents, those column one. And you'll see, wow, I really get offended really easily. That's how you know, okay, I'm aware now of a leadership trait that I have that's not causing me to show up in ways that I wanna show up. Now, do I wanna become willing to change that? And starting that journal was how I got started down that journey and began, and I'm, trust me, it's a lifelong process. It's not like, oh, I've arrived. But it is something now that becomes much more automatic so that when I have one of those responses, immediately my brain says, what are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself, Shannon? What does that mean to you? Can you rewrite this? Is there a better way you can frame this? And it changes the way I react in the moment now. And I think if leaders can do that and get in the habit of doing that, that one little change will impact their leadership tremendously. Well, I think that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Yeah, I can sure. see how that would be super useful and easy to do. All you need is it is. It just takes, it, really, I spent maybe five, ten minutes in the evening. This wasn't a big project. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks again for coming in and chatting with me today, Shannon. I really appreciate it. And listeners, you can find out more about Relay by visiting RelayLeadership.com and following them on social media. Be sure to subscribe to BBB SparkCast so you don't miss out on the conversation. And if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about, feel free to email us at podcast at centralohio.bbb.org. And we look forward to you joining us next time.